Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 4. We're going to continue in our series on snapshots in the life of Christ, looking at this biography written by Mark about the person and work of Jesus to see who he really is and what he was all about. We're going to be looking at this next segment, these next couple of snapshots, as it were. Uh, Jesus isn't, in this particular section, isn't, it isn't, uh, we don't get so much a snapshot of Jesus as much of what he was describing, snapshots of what his, uh, what his mission was. And so we're going to look at this next section, Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Follow along, if you would, and I'll read it aloud. It's in the bulletin there, or find it on your phone or Bible, and we will read it. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground day and night, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know it, know how, all by itself the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what, is, what shall I say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall I use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, pray that you would uh, illuminate our minds, captivate our hearts, and empower our will to live according to your design in, in a world of brokenness with hearts that are broken to reach broken lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Becky and I have uh, three kids, all grown and gone, gratefully. Uh, I remember when my, when my first child was born, my, my son, um, uh, we were in the hospital, and uh, they, uh, they, let, you know, they let me in there, and Becky had been in, been in labor. She'd been in active labor probably for 20-some hours, if I'm remembering that correctly. And so we're in, in there, and at one point... Later in that process, they told me I had to leave because I couldn't, because they were going to try to administer a, an epidural or some sort of medical procedure so she could, you know, get on with it. 
um, and just uh, make the process go on. And I remember, and so I left the room and was in this sort of ante room, and my mom and, her, and Becky's mom were there, and I just broke down. I just, I, I just couldn't, um, because I couldn't take away the pain. I couldn't make it better. There's nothing I could do. It's one of these things where I wanted to do everything I could, and I was powerless to do anything. Um, and that's much, that's that, there's, a, there's an element of that for, for, for men, for, for fathers, um, when it comes to childbirth. Um, childbirth is such an immense experience. I mean, standing outside of childbirth and watching it, you know this is immense. You can see that something mysterious, traumatic, ecstatic is happening, but you have no idea. You don't, but there's another part you have no idea what it is. Or how to, you don't, you can't experience it. And so, so I, over the years, I said, well, what is it like to give birth? And how does that work? And how, what does it mean? You know, and Becky tries to describe that to me, you know, and you've heard the jokes about, you know, what it's like to give birth. It's like taking your lower lip and pulling it over your head or something. These funny, but isn't it interesting how when it comes to something, when it comes to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in our life, Simply seeing it clinically, mechanically, cerebrally does not communicate the fullest nature of it. We, we have to go beyond it. We have to start using pictures, don't we? Sometimes something is so immensely ecstatic or so immensely traumatic, I, need, I can't talk about it in words. I need to talk about it in metaphor to get the whole thing up to get the whole thing out. What is it like to lose a child at birth? Grief and loss. That's what the Psalms are full of. The Psalms are saying, you know, the darkness of that is so deep. It's like my bones are wasting away. It's like my, my tears have dried up. It's like my strength is gone. It's like the darkness is so dark and it never goes away. It's like I've been... been These, we need poetry to get to the essence of truth to get to the essence of experience. And Jesus is, Jesus is no different. Je he's the master communicator. And he's come to tell us about a kingdom, about a new world order, about a change, that he's, a transformation that he's bringing, not just to an individual heart, to an individual life, but to the whole world as he has made it. A transformation that is so immense, so ecstatic and traumatic that the only, way to, the only way to communicate it is in metaphor. That's what parables are. That's why he said, that's why Mark says, whenever he talked, he talked in metaphors. He talked, he talked metaphors. Parables are basically metaphors, pictures, word pictures to describe the immensity of an experience, a transformation that cannot be put into words. And yet, he's using word pictures, word to, to not simply educate, but to captivate. That's what he wants. The gospel isn't something that you, that you get. Certainly, there's an intellectual element to it, but, it's, but, but faith, trusting a Savior, this transformation of grace is not simply, it's not simply an intellectual exercise. It's not simply something that I learn. 
It's something that we experience. It's something that we, uh, that we are taken hold of by, and it carries us and helps us to see the world in a whole new way. And so Jesus is describing this new world order, this, this transformation that's taking place, this, this transition tra- that he's bringing to the world, and that transition, that transformation is the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of God. What does it mean for the kingdom of God to come? What does it mean? What is the kingdom of God like? What is this new kingdom that he is bringing about? And what he's talking about is an entire paradigm shift from the way that we're used to operating. An entire different way of seeing and understanding our world and understanding ourselves because we've been living in a broken world. We've been living in a dark world. We've been living in a world that is not as he designed it. And so living in that place, he's bringing us, giving us word pictures to describe how different, how odd, how it's trying to describe childbirth to a man. I get it intellectually. Clinically, I've read the books. I've done the classes. I did the breathing. I was there. But it's different. And she can use all the words. She, she, she can teach me all about it biologically and clinically, but it, there's an experiential experience. There's something that, that, that it lacks with captivation. When I went into my, my first child's, you know, things wear off as you have kids, right? Things you experience with. That's why you have more pictures with your first child than you do with your third. I remember, I remember when, uh, when Tyler was in the crib, and he's brand new. And I've, I've never had a, a, a human before, so I don't, I, you know, but I was excited to have Tyler, and he was in, the, I remember him being in the crib as an infant, days or weeks old, and, I, and, it was, and it was, we had just gotten him down, and he was just starting to sleep, and I go in to see him laying face down, I remember it distinctly in my head, laying face down in the bed, his legs were kind of tucked up under his butt a little bit, and his arms were, his head was on his arms, and the blanket was there, and all I, and I remember just watching him and seeing his chest heave up and down in the bed, peaceful, calm, delighted. And I couldn't stop watching. And there was a, there was a feeling in me, there was a feeling in me of that moment, of, that, of watching that, that I still, to this day, some 30 years later, I don't know how to tell you how that felt. I can't find a word. There's, it's a, it, 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 it transcends description. It's a, a powerful sense of well-being. It's a, and that's why poems are written. When you try to describe how much you love someone, we need art. We need beauty. We need metaphor to tell us those big things. And Jesus comes telling us metaphor. And he gives us three metaphors in this passage. He says the kingdom of God, it's like a lamp, it's like a seed, and it's like a tree. Uh, years ago, um, the author Flannery O'Connor, she was a southern short storyist of some renown, 20th century. 
uh, a reporter asked her once if, they, if, she could, if she could describe what the meaning of this particular story was in a sentence. Give us sort of a sentence. And she responded as typical Flannery O'Connor. If you've ever read any of her stuff or read any biographies, Flannery O'Connor said, if I could describe it in a sentence, I wouldn't have had to write the story. When something is too big... To put into a sentence, you have to describe it in a number of different ways. You have to, you can't get it, you can't get everything about it in one story. That's why Jesus is constantly giving ongoing parables, ongoing. We need the entire scriptures. We need thousands of years of history, thousands of years of experience. Thousands of, of people who have experienced the scriptures, experienced the grace of God, to tell their story, to live their lives, to flesh out what it means to live in this kingdom, to exhibit this connection with God through grace, because it's too big to put in a bumper sticker. And, and here's the thing. That's what you, that's what you really want. Anything you can boil down to a anything you can boil down to a bumper sticker, to a simple statement, to a you know four course path. You don't want any part of that. It's too small. It's too small for you. It's too small for humanity. The gospel is big. The gospel is grand. The gospel, what Jesus is offering, the transformation that God is bringing to His world through grace, is so immense. It's really what we were built for. It's really the way we were designed to live. Big, large, and we and and the part of the brokenness, part of our sin, part of part of the tragic brokenness of humanity is that we settle for smaller kingdoms than the kingdom of God. Kingdoms, as we prayed in our in our prayer this morning, kingdoms of riches, kingdoms of pleasure, kingdoms of control, kingdoms of success, kingdoms of people pleasing, and we live for those kingdoms rather than for the the immensity of the kingdom that God has for us. And he's come to tell us what that's, what that's about with three particular metaphors. It's like a, he says, it's like a, it's like a lamp. The kingdom of God that he's bringing has a brilliance. It has an illuminating capacity. It has the ability to sort of make things clear that weren't clear. He says you don't, you don't bring something and then hide it. You don't bring, bring in a lamp and then hide it under a bushel, as the old song used to say, the, the children's song. You don't hide it under a, under a basket or a bowl. You, 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 the reason you light a lamp is to do what? To illuminate the room, to show the dark places, to, to find your way, to, to, to take the things that are in the dark, and put them in the light. That's why the kingdom has come. That's why Jesus has come. He says, I've come to make the dark places clear, the dark places noticeable, and the dark places of the world and the dark places of your heart. There's a sense where, you know, when he, when he talks about in the passage, he says, uh, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed was meant to be brought to the open. The dark places of your heart, the places, the blind spots, the places that you're unaware of that are out of conformity with the grace of God and with the will of God, he, the, the light of the kingdom, the light of his grace is meant to illuminate that. And the reason that it can be illuminated 
Well, let me start the other direction. The reason that those places are not illuminated in your life, the reason that you and I hide them, the reason that you and I conceal those places, either consciously or unconsciously, is because we're afraid of if they are brought to light that they will hurt me, they, they will destroy me, they, or that they will bring me shame, or that they will somehow disqualify me in some capacity, and that I don't want to know. Don't tell me the worst about me. But the cross of the grace of God, the cross of Christ, says whatever, whatever you discover about you, whatever darkness you find in you, this is what the cross tells us, whatever darkness you find in you, whatever is concealed in you that you've been hiding to, from yourself, the person that you, that, you, uh, that, you, um, that you don't know that you are and that maybe you've been trying to conceal and not wanting to admit, the cross says, whatever you find, about, find out about yourself, I already knew it and I already forgave it. It won't disqualify you. So Jesus, the cross, of, the cross of Christ says that whatever you find out about yourself, whatever's hidden in the darkness, the dark corners of your life, the, the, the closets that you keep closed, whatever skeletons you have there, what Jesus is saying is that, that, that nothing you discover about you disqualifies you because I paid for it at the cross. I knew about it, and I loved you, and my grace covers you. So what he's doing by that truth is he's taking all the power out of concealment. He's taking all of the reason to hide things away that I've taken away your guilt and shame. I've given you back forgiveness. I've given you a new identity. I've given you, I've given you my name as I've written upon you. I've, I've cleansed you. I, you have my righteousness in your, in your account. It, your righteousness or lack thereof doesn't doesn't define you. What is, what is in the dark corners isn't what is, tr what is the truest thing of you. What is the truest thing of you is that you are my favored child. Which, if that's true, and the cross says it is, then now, no matter what I discover about myself, I can simply admit it and move on. I can admit it and seek forgiveness. I can admit it and, and progress into a greater sense of hope and a greater sense of living out of the truth of what he's, what he's done in my life. There's no fear. There's no threat. So when someone comes to me and says, or when your spouse says, or when your children says, or when your pastor says, look at this problem in your life, you can go, yeah, and you don't even know the half of it. There's no, there's no fear to the illumination of the gospel. There's no fear to having, to having Jesus come in and open up the, the, the recesses of my heart and say, there are blind spots, there are places that you haven't surrendered to me. There are, there are aspects of your life that need to become more open and free to the, to the changing nature of the, of the power of God. The brilliance of the kingdom, the lamp that the kingdom is, the lamp that he has brought into the world is meant to illuminate his truth, illuminate the clarity of our lives. There's a sense of openness that the, God, that the kingdom is. The kingdom is about openness and not hiddenness. The gospel, the cr Christianity does not write things in tiny print. It's not like you, you, he says, come to Jesus and you'll be saved from your sins and then in tiny print, but it will mean utter sacrifice and complete 
He puts it all out there in the front. He, he doesn't put things in tiny, fine print. The, the interest rate is not going to go up on your credit card if you, if you uh, don't pay your bills on time. He doesn't, he doesn't hide anything from us. He's trying to illuminate. He's trying to, he's trying to open up. He, he is not about, Jesus is not trying to play hide and seek with us. He's not trying to make things hard or tricky or a secret code. Christianity and the gospel of grace is not about some sort of get it because you're an insider. Get it because you have the secret, the secret password. No, it's very, he's trying to be very clear and very open and because he's here to illuminate. Jesus says the kingdom is about illumination. You've been living in the dark. You know, what did, what did John say? That Jesus was the word, became flesh, and the flesh dwelt among us, and the word was the light of life who came into the darkness. Jesus was the light that came into the darkness of our world. He's meant to, he's trying to, put, he's trying to turn on the lights so that we can see clearly and understand him accurately. It's not about, it's not about secrets or hiddenness or special codes, and that we don't have to fear the dark places that are illuminated. The dark places, Jesus says, I've come, if, if I don't illuminate them, then they just go on growing mold, and they go, they go on growing dark and, and, and broken. That bro- brokenness, you know, what, what, is a, what, what do scientists tell us? That the, that the best disinfectant is sunlight. The light of Christ is the best disinfectant to our lives, to, to changing us and transforming us. And that, we, and that the cross says, I've forgiven you for it. I, I've paid for all of your darkness, if you trust me. If you're one of mine, I've paid for it all. So there's no threat to discovering who you are in those dark places. It's also, Jesus said, it's like a seed. There's a, he, he, he talks about how, uh, how uh, the seed is planted. The kingdom of God is, uh, is like a man scatters seed in the ground, night and day. It goes on doing its work, and no matter whether he sleeps or comes and looks at it, the, the seed just keeps growing. What he's trying to communicate through that, here's the, the kingdom has a power unto itself that, is, that, that transcends any effort or work that we provide. The emphasis of what Jesus is describing here is that it, the kingdom isn't about what I bring to it. It's not about what I do. It's about what the kingdom does. It's about what the seed does. Does the farmer, the farmer doesn't run out day and night and tr- do things to the seed. He plants the seed. He just, the seed, the, the farmer just lets the seed go in the soil and it does what seeds do. When the grace of God, when the gospel of Christ goes into the world, goes into a heart, it mysteriously, miraculously transforms. It, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul, one of the apostles of Jesus, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the transformation of the world. It, the gospel of grace the power of the cross, the righteousness he provides for us because he took our death into himself, that when I, when I surrender my life to that, when you surrender your life to that, it does a work in you without you needing to do it. 
It changes you because it's a power beyond your control. Praise God. Because it's doing something in me I don't, I'm not completely aware of. And so whether I sleep or whether I wake, it's changing me and it's changing the world. Jesus says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That even the forces of darkness, even the darkness of demonic forces in this world, even the darkness of the forces of human nature in this world are not greater than the power of the seed to do its work and to grow and to come to full bloom. And Jesus will harvest it. It's, it's a mysterious process, this gospel work. There's a, there are all kinds of, as it were, paradoxes. You know, strength and weakness. That doesn't make natural sense. That's mysterious. How is strength made perfect in weakness? That's what the gospel tells me. The gospel tells me that the way up, the way out of, the way to, to, the great, the way to greatness is, to, is the way down is to surrender, is, is the way of humility. The way to confidence is the way of humility. <laughs> That's mysterious. I don't understand how that, that seems paradoxical. How do I have a greater sense of confidence by becoming more humble? How do I have more? Jesus says, you will have more when you give it away. The more you give away, the more you will have. He who loses his life shall find it, but he who hoards his life shall lose it. That doesn't make logical sense. How do... That's the mysterious nature of grace. These are the metaphors. These are the paradoxes that the heart and the mind and the will are meant to ruminate on. These are the, these are the centrality of the gospel that's meant to evoke a, a new way of thinking. The new central idea of life are these ideas. The weak shall confound the strong. The fool shall confound the wise. Sacrifice leads to life. How do these metaphors, how do these paradoxes work? This is the mysterious nature of that seed. When that seed is planted, it starts to change. And we begin, and as we do those things, as we step into those paradoxes, as we surrender our, our things, we begin to discover, oh my goodness, yes, as I, as I surrendered, I felt I, I, I had more. As I died to myself... I became more alive as I finally got out of my own way, as I finally stopped using myself as the grid through which to see life. Life opened up. It's like there was a whole new day. It's like, it's like the lights turned on, exactly. That's the illumination of the gospel. That's the seed that grows. It's also the kingdom, he says. It's not just like a lamp that illuminates the dark places and, and, and brings safe security there's also a thing about a lamp that, that you know, there, there's a, there, was old, there was an older uh, show, not, not too terribly long ago, called, um, well, I forget what it was called, but the guy, the guy, the host of it was a guy named Bear Grylls, and he was an outdoor adventurist, and he would drop himself, he would have himself dropped into remote regions around the world and with nothing, I mean, you know, with nothing, and then basically he would then, over the episode, spend 
days over the course of an hour show in, on the episode, but over the course of days survive. In other words, he'd have to, he'd be dropped from a helicopter into a place and then he'd have to get to a civilized place where he could be rescued or provide a mechanism by which he could be rescued from this place. And so he would, the reason I mention that is that in the midst of, of, these, uh, of these encounters, there was always a moment in every episode that was poignant to him, and he, made, he, he says there's something about being able to get a fire started when you are in an unknown, dark place. He says it provides a sense of wholeness, a sense of life, a sense of safety. The light of the kingdom does all that for the human heart, for the human condition. As the, mysteri- as the, as the mysterious, powerful seed of the gospel of grace lands in your life and begins to germinate, changing your senses and your ideas and what is up and what is down and what is important and what is not. But the kingdom's also like a tree. This kingdom, what's it meant to do? What is the goal of this kingdom? And what he's saying is this kingdom, although it seems small at first, this kingdom is like a tiny little mustard seed that gets planted in in a community, that gets planted in a in a, in a world, it seems like a small thing, but then as it grows, as that mysterious, illuminating, transformative power, the mystery of the seed grows, it grows, and it becomes this huge, welcoming, safe place of shade for outsiders. It's a merciful kingdom. It's a merciful kingdom. It's meant to be a, a place of haven. That all those who have been infected, who have been affected by this seed, who have been affected by the light of the gospel, that this, all those who have, who have taken that kingdom into themselves then become this, this seed grows into a tree. And as we're all gathered together into that tree, the, it, makes, it makes that tree, it makes that, all that kingdom in this world a place of haven, a place of rest, a place of safety for those who would who would engage it. And I, and I wonder to myself throughout the ages of how the church operates, those, the church is the central place whereby which the kingdom of God has been affected. Has the church been understood by the world? Have the birds of the air, have the beasts of the field seen the church as a place of haven, as the place of safety, as a place where it can find rest, hope, shade, and satisfaction? This is what the kingdom is meant to be in this world. This is part of its mercy, part of its power. Because only in that tree is there life. Only in that kingdom can there be ongoing life and sustenance. Only there can there be mercy. There is no mercy outside that kingdom. There is no mercy outside that tree. And that's the hope, that's the glory, that's the grace of this kingdom. That's the grace of this message that that the church, that God's people are meant to be expressing and living. We're living it out in our, in our own. Hasn't the, hasn't the tree of the gospel been the haven to each of his children? Hasn't it been that place where we've run from our crimes, from our consequences, from our fears and anxieties, and we've run to that tree to find protection, to find life, to find shade in the dark onslaught of conviction and fear? Yes, the tree, the tree that is the cross that says, 
I shielded you from the wrath of God. I was the one who protected you from the onslaught. I was the one where I was the one that provided you with the grace under which you find haven in the mercy of the tree so that we might become little trees in a world in need of mercy. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace and for the truth that you give us in Christ. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Father, I pray that you would do that mysterious, illuminating, merciful work in our hearts to turn us into that which you desire, to make the transformation of, our, of your world complete in due time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.